0: This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show. Tonight,
1: Miami Heat and the Denver Nuggets. I'm expecting Miami to play a little better. Miami's got to win this game. Okay, you don't want to go down 0-2, even though you're going home. Now, I'm going to give Miami a game because of how well they play. played. But I will say that Denver, for the first three quarters of that game, very impressive. And Jokic didn't even play hardly. He was a facilitator. He was very happy with just passing the ball and looking for open guys. And then when he decided to shoot, you look down, he was like,
0: what? Triple-double? Again? This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Our number three of our Sunday conversation with you. Thank you for joining us at 1-800-919-3776. Also, ring us up on Twitter at ESPN that ESPNNY, 98 underscore 7FM. So, as I was looking through and discussing what changes the Knicks and Nets were going to make, and then just looking at highlights of the new collective bargaining agreement and seeing that there's salary cap changes and free agency changes and all these different things, after my head start, stopped spinning, I said to our producers, I need Bobby Marks on the phone right away because my law degree and my uh, mathematics degree is not going to help me at, at all. I'm, I'm confused totally. So here he is, the aforementioned genius our front office insider for the NBA, Bobby Marks. Hi Bobby, how are you?
2: I'm good, Larry. How are you? Happy
1: Sunday. Happy Sunday. Good to talk to you, my friend. Um Bobby, let let let's start with the let's start with the the salary cap changes and how it relates to trades. And if I'm correct, it doesn't happen this year, it really starts next season, correct?
2: Yeah, I would say the um the teeth of the changes, um, won't happen until the 2024 off season here. Um, Basically, you know, the league is kind of giving you a a kind of a year to get all your finances in order um, before you, you know, uh, some of the, you know, stringent rules are going to come in in place. But, um, but yeah, I mean, if you are for this year, let's just say, um, you know, the big changes for this year is that teams like golden state and the Clippers and Miami, you know, they won't have their, you know, tax mid level exception like they've had in prior years. So, for example, Denver um, wouldn't have been able to sign Bruce Brown, who certainly has played a role. Um, the same with, um, you know, Dante DiVincenzo and Golden State. So, those higher spending teams won't have that access to that. Uh, the, tr- the, the trade rules change a little bit here where you can take uh, instead of 125% back, it's 110%. Um, players bought out of the contract Miami wouldn't have been able to sign um, if this was next year, they wouldn't have been able to sign Kevin love. Um, So yeah, there are some, there are some tweaks to it. Um, You know, certainly um, you know, for this upcoming, uh, upcoming season, but then the following year, then it gets really tight. I mean, as far as, you know, they're, they're basically different levels. If you're over a certain level, which we call the second apron, you're not going to be able to go out and aggregate salary in a trade right? You're not going to be able to take back more money in a trade. Um, your draft picks are restricted as far as, you know, Phoenix wouldn't have been able to add a fourth first round pick in the Brooklyn Kevin Durant trade. Um, you know, there's future restrictions as far as what happens with your draft picks here. But um, yeah, I mean, the goal is try to bring some parity, more parity, I guess um, that we uh, already have in this league here. And um you know, Denver is going to be a, a, a great case study because they're the only three team they're the only team that has three max players under contract with Jokic Murray and Porter, and they can keep all these players here. But what happens is, is that it makes it a lot harder to build um, outside of your own. Go out and get players in free agency here. Um, so it's it's going to be you know there's still a lot to digest here. But I would say yeah, I mean a lot of the the rules um, really don't come into effect until the 2024
3: offseason.
1: So, Bobby, while we're trying to get more parity, is that a paraphrase for saying we're trying to limit the super team thing that's been going on the past couple of seasons?
2: Yeah, I mean, I won't call it a hard cap, um, but I do think it's going to make roster building extremely more challenging. Um, you know, Brooklyn wouldn't have been able to, out, to go out and get James Harden in that trade with Houston, you know, a few a few years back here. Um, you the, the ability, I think it's going to be extremely hard to have three max players on their contract if you don't have draft picks or if you don't have a good base of young players around them um you know the super teams whether it been brooklyn or the clippers or you know some of the golden states different just because they're more homegrown um you know it it just makes as i said roster building extremely hard it's going to make what's going to happen Larry, is that when the next whoever that next disgruntled all-star is going to be become available you know, those teams out there, um, you know, who already have two max players, won't, won't won't be able to go out and get him. Won't be able to get out, go out and get that third guy. So, um, I think if you're looking at a team like New York, you know, New York's in a, probably in probably as great of a spot as as any of these teams here, because you know, with their as you know, with their draft picks and what their there's no max player on this contract. There's every player on this roster is under 30 million dollars here, um, and they're in a um, and they're, they're in a really good good position here but yeah I I would say the days of these you know the big three um if it's not homegrown um it's probably I would say it's probably over
1: Mm, interesting NBA front office front office insider Bobby Marks is my guest here on the Larry Hardesty show on 98.7 ESPN Bobby I've always been fascinated with this and I've spoken about it on the show and I want to get your thoughts because you've been there Take us through how front office folks look at their team, president, general manager, owner. How do they look at their team? And, and the Knicks are an example. I'll use them as an example. When you look at this Nick team, you've got Julius Randle, who averages 25 and 10. You've added Jalen Brunson. You've got draft choices, as you mentioned. You've got a decent bench. You've got Josh Hart, who you're going to have to sign. And you've got a head coach who's in year going on to year four of his five-year deal. But he's a head coach, Bobby, who has a history of this year, the fourth year, being the year where his teams kind of plateau. They don't normally get better, okay? They normally, if anything, they start to tail off. So as you look at this team, as a person in the front office, how do you view it? Do you view it as, hey, listen, we got some good things. We moved to the second round, which is something we hadn't done in over a decade. That's good. We just need to tinker, tinkle, you know, a little bit. Or do you say, you know what? We, we weren't good enough. We need to do something a little bit more than just make a few adjustments.
4: Yeah,
2: I, I mean, I look at it. I mean, sometimes front offices get themselves in trouble when you look at your own roster and you're like, you know what? We like players you know, on other teams better. And then you kind of make a trade and it sets you back a little bit. I look at this team differently than I do back in, um, I guess it was 2021 when they lost to Atlanta in the first round. I think they're better situated this year, this off season with the roster than they were back in, um, back in 21. I just thought some of those veterans, you know, maybe a couple older veterans, they were able to, they went the continuity route here. I just looked at whether it be quickly. And I think Barrett saw, you know, certainly upside here. Um, as you mentioned, I think Brunson is a heck of a player. Um, you went out and got Josh Hart for the ability to retain him. Uh, Randall certainly, um, robinson um you know, get draft picks in the future here so i i think you just have to be careful with roster building i said this the other day when we were talking about the celtics and people wanting to split up jalen brown and um jason tatum here it's like when you're building like a deck of cards and you're doing those those deck pyramids all you have to do is pull one deck uh, one card and the whole thing comes to an end and you can go from a fourth seat to a playing team in a matter of minutes here and um I think it was a great step as far as where New York was. I think it kind of it exposed some things in that Miami series as far as what you need to get better at. I think the hard part is, is if, it, if it's not going to be within your own roster, you know what are you willing to kind of sacrifice to you know get an, you know one more piece? You know as we know you they're sitting on all these these picks, draft capital, whether it be their own and or the Dallas pick or you know some future other ones they have, and they have some young some nice young players here and. You know it's going to be interesting, um, you know, as I said, like there ha- there's not that one guy out there who's disgruntled. There's not the Donovan and Mitchell yet um, that we saw um, a year ago here, and as I said, they're positioned to do it now it takes a lot of courage to go out and do it just based on these, these CBA rules and but I do think they're in a be- they're in a better position where they are um, you know right now than it than, than was two years ago
1: Hey, Bobby, in hindsight, do you think the Nick front office wishes they had gotten Donovan Mitchell? because they're still looking for that next player, obviously, even though how things turned out. Do you think they kind of wish maybe they had pulled the trigger? And how does and how does that discussion go? Does that mean going this forward yeah. this year that you kind of feel more pressure because you didn't make that move to make a big move?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think they probably look at it, you know, based on where these new CBA rules would have been. And they'd be like, hey, we have Brunson, we have um, we have Donovan Mitchell. How do, What else do we have to add? And it would have been, I think, a little bit more challenging here um donovan's a terrific player here um i do think you know i don't think there's regret with him that front office certainly at what the price tag that that cleveland was asking for but now here's the big question right now if that happens it's it's in they're in the same position you know a month from now or two months from now are they willing to kind of you know go go all, all in a little bit more based on knowing what they have with this roster having another year of brunson um, certainly with Grimes, um, certainly with uh, with Barrett, um, you know Randall. I think this is certainly more expendable than years past. I think that that does make them a little probably more aggressive than maybe they they would have been a year ago.
1: Bobby, let's talk about one of your former teams, the uh, the Brooklyn Nets. And I thought in hindsight, Sean Marks did a great job for him to be able to get the caliber of players that he got back, especially in the Kevin Durant deal, and Makai Bridges and Cam Johnson. And under the pressure of trying to get this deal done, I thought he did a fabulous job. So now, from their standpoint, how do they view this team? Do they look at it as okay, we're building around Bridges, or are they saying, "Well, we got to, you know we got a lot of different options as to which way we can go here"?
2: Yeah, I would. I mean, you never want to say people, players are untouchable, but I, I would say Mikhail Bridges is pretty close to you know untouchable unless something really wows is Brooklyn here. I, I almost compare this Brooklyn team post trade deadline to where they were back in 1819 when they had a they had a really nice young the you know nice team with you know whether it be D'Angelo russell and spencer dinwiddie and joe harris in that group that lost to philly um in that first round I, I compare them similar i think over the course of 82 games as is they're probably a 500 team and they're fighting to get into the playing spot here and my question for for um if you're the nets is you know you have a lot of different routes you can go you have I think, eight guys on expiring contracts, including Spencer Dinwiddie to extend him. Cam Johnson's a restricted free agent. I think that's certainly a priority. You don't control your own draft pick, but you have, you know, certainly a, a fall from um, Phoenix and you know, a future from Dallas and certainly Philadelphia, and, and you've got two in this year, 21 and 22. My question would be, like, did, did the durant irving Harden experiment kind of make you think twice if that next player becomes available here? That that's probably my big question as far as, um, when as far as in in Brooklyn's perspective here, because as you know, it's it's hard to build within organically without maybe going out and getting one of those players here. But they are in. You know, we're not talking about Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving, the future of them this offseason. I do think there is a there is some there is a foundation in place. I certainly think it's found. Mikhail Bridges, I think you're going to see probably some of their wings more expendable, whether it be Dorian Finney-Smith and Royce O'Neills just because of where their payroll here is. Um, but I do think they're in, you know, from a financial long-term, you know, they're in a good spot here. You know, yes, you would love to have those three other the three players on your roster here. But I think all considering that, um, you know, they did make a nice save at the deadline.
1: One of their options with Ben Simmons. What can they do? Well, we
2: didn't even talk about (laughs) him.
1: I told you a lot. We didn't
2: even talk about Yeah, well, that's always going to be. I mean, I think it's always going to be the wild card, Larry, right? I mean, it's the only, you know, like, you know, when you look in team needs, it's not, hey, we need a backup point guard or another big. It's like we need a playable version of Ben Simmons, right? Like, we don't need, in, in Brooklyn's perspective, you know, the um, Philadelphia Ben Simmons, who was all defense and all NBA and stuff like, we need a guy that can come out and play 25 minutes here and make and have some type of impact on the game because he's got two years left at $76 million here sitting on your books here. And for a player that doesn't contribute or has dealt with, um, you know, with injuries, that's a killer here. So that's certainly, yeah, I mean, you get Ben Simmons back and we'll see, you know, and there's no health issues and we'll see what happens on the court here. That's,
1: that's a different dynamic with this team. Net fans could only hope, Bobby. <laughs> they could only hope. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for a couple of minutes, my friend. We'll talk down the line.
2: Good talking, Willard. I appreciate it.
1: Same here. Thanks, Bobby. Bobby Marks, our NBA front office insider. 1-800-919-3776. Let me hear what you had with uh, your thoughts on what Bobby had to say. Plus, I didn't forget, uh, I got some Jet thoughts for you as well. All That's Next on 9870 ESPN.
0: This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Bobby Marks, always a good guest. Love the science he dropped on you. And I hope you took copious notes. <laughs> About one-twentieth of a salary is going to be, oh, it's going to be, it's going to be, you know what? If you have experience as as a numbers guy, you will be sought after in the NBA because these changes are going to make a make a huge difference, a huge difference. Yeah. You're going to need it. I need to figure out what's going on. Blue Jets with a two nothing lead over the Mets as the Mets bat in the bottom of the second, uh, singers thrown 46 pitches in two innings. It's not good. Hopefully he can get some easy outs over the next couple of innings to, uh, Keep the bullpen from coming in early. Although the bullpen has, uh, you know, some of the other guys have not had to go because the bullpen, the starters have given them a little bit of distance. All right, let's head back to the phones. one eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. 919 3776 Lee's in Brooklyn. What's up, Lee? Hey, what's up, hardy How you doing, man? Oh, man. Uh,
4: I can't call it. I'm not an alcoholic. But you know what? I'm drunk with Denver. Okay. They're gonna finish these guys off in four. It's a sweep. Boston, Boston broke Miami. They won't be able to figure it out. denvers they just too active. They got too many people. They can pretty much meet the challenge that Miami's going to bring. Much like the same thing they did with the Lakers. They just met the—you play better. Denver plays better. Hmm. What
5: do you think of that, Larry?
1: All right, Lee, thanks for the phone call. Look, Denver's Denver's no joke. Denver is a fabulous team. Their versatility, their depth, and their size make them very, very tough. All right? It's very simple. That's what it is. Depth, talent, size, and coaching. They are actually a better version of Miami. Coaching-wise, I mean, I would give Spolster a slight edge, but not a big edge. Over Malone, just because he's been there more. He's got more experience in the postseason than Malone. But otherwise, I'd give him a slight edge. Slight edge, not a huge edge. Uh, Size-wise, you give the edge to Denver. Uh, Talent-wise, I give the edge to Denver. Uh, I have a lot of respect for the Heat and their style of play. They have a really, they have a good team. Not necessarily all the fabulous talent individually, but they have a good team. They play well together. And their culture has been very successful for them. You know, the Heat culture has been successful. All right? So, but against this Denver team, size and speed, and and they match up so well. I mean, Murray's been, Murray's a huge difference. Okay? Not having Murray last year was a big difference as to why Denver didn't go as far as they needed to go. It's a big difference. And so to have him, and listen, He was 11 of 22, 26 points and 10 assists in game one. Jokic, once again, 27 points, 14 assists, 10 rebounds. Only took 12 shots. Jokic took 12 shots. Very quietly, though, very quietly, Aaron Gordon, 16 points, 6 rebounds. Very quietly. Okay? Okay? Michael Porter Jr., 14 points, 13 rebounds. And Contavious Coldwell-Pope only had seven points with eight shots. He's going to shoot better. So, And Brown gave you 10 points coming off the bench. So once again, uh, size, depth, it's going to be tough for Miami to win this series. I don't see them winning the series, but I do think they will win at least one game. And I and there might be a game where Denver just has an off game and Miami's able to steal one. So I think I, I think I predicted them in six, but I really I really think it's gonna be five. I really do. Uh Artie's in Brooklyn. What's up, Artie? Hey Larry,
4: thanks for taking the call, bud. You got you know, it, man. What's happening? Listening to the uh to your guest. I'm sitting there, I'm going, in a couple of years, nothing gonna be Past us again, like, you know what I'm saying? I just have this feeling like now's the time that the Knicks have to take advantage and grab the ring. They, they, they passed expectations and I'm looking at Miami and I'm saying, we're more talented. I mean, when they have hero on the team, that's one thing. But we were more talented. I don't know if we got out-coached, but I know we got out played, especially on the three-point. You know, and that's where the game is now. Mm-hmm. And I think the Knicks, G-
1: for the phone call and listen that's what they, that has to be the decision. If you're the front office, can this roster the way it is right now with Julius Randle Brunson's not going anywhere, You just brought him here but with Julius Randle can you upgrade Randle's position by moving him and bringing somebody else in here who is better and and it may not be 25 and 10, you might end up with a guy that gives you and this is the question do we go with a guy that gives us all right 18 and 8 but he might be more athletic, he's a better three-point shooter, you know, what that he'll work better with our offense? That has to be the question. How much of a trade-off if you are letting go a commodity that gives you that averages a double-double every game. That's his average, a double-double, 25 and 10. You expect 25 and 10 from Julius Randle every game. All right. What can you get that might give you, uh, may drop you in points and maybe a rebound or two, but elevate you with uh, shooting percentage and assists? That's it. That's the question. That's the question that the Nick Front Office has to answer. They do. And that's where they need to decide. And they've got enough draft choices, they got enough people that they can make a move and as Bobby mentioned from a salary standpoint, they're in pretty good shape. Because here's what we know. Next year this time, it's not going to be as easy for you to do the moves that you are are going to be able to do now. And it's very simple. The NBA did this because they are tr- they are putting their it's about okay, the official word is and you heard Bobby say it. It's more of a competitive balance. Meaning we're trying to get rid of super teams. That you could just buy a team and put them together. That's what they're trying to do. It's clear to me. More of your calls next on 98.7 ESPN.
0: This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Vladimir Guerrero, again, solo home run. That's a leading, that's a trailing by the score of 3-0. Jay is batting in the top of the third. Back to the phones. John's a freehold. Hey, John.
3: Hey, good afternoon, Larry. How you doing, my friend? I'm
1: doing great, John. How are you? I'm doing
3: well. I'm doing well. Let's discuss our New York Knickerbockers, if I may. Sure. Um, been listening. I always listen. Heard a lot of different angles, a lot of different ways that the Knicks can go. Um, I'm of the belief that you can't, roll, you can't run it back with this team. And I'm of the belief that they're not just one star away. I think they need more than that. Uh, when I look at this team in its totality from the regular season and then on to the playoffs, you have two separate seasons, as you know, the regular season and your playoff season, your playoff run. And I just saw a team that uh, lacks athleticism, lacks creativity and versatility and spreading it the floor from an offensive standpoint. Um, I also look at a team that was putrid from the perimeter, their perimeter presence was non existent and they need to find somebody that can consistently punish people from the perimeter on a regular basis, keep the defense honest, and spread the floor. Uh, you got too many isolation players on this roster, as I see it, Larry. you got Brunson, you got Barrett, and you got Randall. All three are ISO players. They hold the ball and pound the ball into the hardwood way too much for my liking. And I need to see more creativity, more versatility, more spreading of the offense, more offensive options as a whole and I need all five on the floor to, to legitimately have the ability to score. And they don't have that right now. Um, I don't like our man in the middle with Mitchell Robinson. I know he's athletic. I know he's a tremendous offensive rebounder. But he can't hit a free throw. He can't hit a perimeter shot. He hasn't added to his offense in any way. He's got no go-to move of any kind. And they can could, they could lay, lay off him. He's a guy that they don't have to defend. They don't have to worry about hurting them from an offensive standpoint. And that's a weakness and something that bothers me with this roster. Now, I've got some ideas. I'll run them by you. You let me know what you think. Mm-hmm. Um, first move I would do is this, Larry. I, I, w- I want to replicate what they did last offseason in free agency. They brought Jalen Brunson in as a free agent, unrestricted. They did not have to surrender any draft picks. They did not have to surrender any of their young talent from their existing roster. And that was a home run. I want to replicate that this offseason, this summer, with free agency once again and I want to bring in Karis LeVert. Karis LeVert is a wing that's super athletic. He's long. He's gotten better every season. He had his best three-point shooting percentage in his NBA career this past season with Cleveland. He was the best player on the floor for Cleveland during the Nick Cleveland series. I think he's a player that's on the rise and has continued to improve and get better. He's already proven that he could play well and win here in New York with the Brooklyn Nets. I want to do the same thing with Seth Curry. I want to bring Seth Curry in as a free agent, unrestricted. I don't think you have to pay him a whole lot of money. And then I want to go the trade market route, Larry. All right? Mm-hmm. I want to alleviate the problem with Fournier. Fournier is on an expiring contract. I want to add him as part of a package, whether it be with Randall and, and, and uh, Grimes for a, for a star, Well, you make two separate deals. Um, I've got a guy that I want to replace Robinson with as my man in the middle, and that's Miles Turner from Indiana. I know he's been rumored uh, several years now. I think he's a much better well-all-around player. I think he's a player that could definitely benefit from a change of scenery. He hits his free throws, unlike Robinson. He's got a perimeter game, unlike Robinson. He can score inside. He could do the same. He has the same ability for those uh, impressive dunks underneath the basket, he, he blocks shots. He doesn't rebound as well as Mitchell Robinson, but it goes back to what you said a short time ago with an earlier caller. Are you better off bringing somebody in that's more athletic than Julius Randall that has more creativity and versatility in his game and, and make the team better in that regard, rather than looking strictly at the numbers, the 20 and 10, 20 and 10 doesn't impress me, Larry Win- winning impresses me. All right. Mm-hmm. Guys that play well together, guys that, develop and grow together. That's what I'm looking to do here. So Karis Levert is an unrestricted free agent. Seth Curry is an unrestricted free agent. Engineer a trade to bring Miles Turner in, and you would make Mitchell Robinson a part of that package. And a lot of people talk about all the first-round picks the Knicks have as assets, which they truly do and benefits them. But they also have a boatload of second-round draft picks, which hold value in trades too, Larry. And they've got that expiring contract of uh, Fournier, as I mentioned. And mm-hmm. now you have the ability with bringing in, uh, bringing in the kid Levert as a free agent. Now you have the ability to lose a guy like Grimes or quickly, and it doesn't hurt you as much. So I, I, I'd like to see them do that. I don't think, like I said, running it backs the answer. I told yeah. you it, – it's funny because we're talking on a Sunday afternoon right now, and we spoke around this same time the first year that Randall came off his big season. I told you that afternoon around this same time, also on a Sunday, that they should move on from him. And sell high right now, and I feel the same way this year. They didn't do it the first time. I feel it was a mistake. I think they need to strike while the iron's hot and do it this off season.
1: You know, you have some interesting thoughts, John. Thanks for the phone call. I, if I'm Cleveland, and I don't know what their salary cap situation is off the top of my head, but if I'm Cleveland, I don't know that I'm. I might try to resign LeVert. I don't know that I'm letting him go. I I might try to resign him and um you know, uh bring him back. Uh, I agree with you. Uh, As far as Seth Curry is concerned, I know Joe Leo will not let Seth Curry leave uh, Brooklyn, but uh, I agree with you, him, because you need somebody that can shoot. You need a score, a consistent score. He's that guy. I've wanted, listen, I've wanted Seth Curry for a couple of years. So, uh, you know, but yeah, you could sign him. Miles Turner's interesting. Uh, And you're right. He's been rumored to be coming here forever. (laughs) I mean, every couple of years, he's a Miles Turner sighting. Uh, He is... More offensive-minded than Mitchell Robinson. Everything you said is true. Uh, But here's the question. Here's what the question is going to be. Because Tibbs loves Robinson. So will Tibbs be okay? Because I think Tibbs has a little more power because of the fact that the team has, you know, gone further. Does, does, Does Tibbs take the hit scoring-wise with Turner rather than his defense and rebounding that he loves for Mitchell Robinson because Tibbs doesn't care whether he re- – Tibbs doesn't care whether Mitchell Robinson takes a shot or not. He would love him to shoot better at the free throw line. There's no question about that. But Tibbs could care less about offensive, offensive uh, shooting or stretching the field or stretching the, the, the court rather with, with anybody. Is because he loves his defense. So that's going to be a question. I And to be honest, they both are kind of equal in their availability because that's the one concern that I have about Mitchell Robinson, and that has been that um, he's not available a lot. He's been, He has times when he's not available. So that's a concern. And the other concern I have about Mitchell he doesn't talk about offense. He's got to handle the ball first, John. Can't dribble. He puts the ball on the floor. It's gone. Gone. Um, it is going to be interesting to see what the Knicks do. It really is. Trey's in Brooklyn, Texas. Or maybe he's still in Brooklyn. He's next on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Trey.
5: Oh, Larry, unfortunately, I'm back in Brooklyn, Are you? Texas. I all, right, yes. all right. That's La- all right. Larry. I-, I, Larry heard,
1: I-, I heard and saw that you were in town. You look good.
5: Ooh. Man. Ooh, we had a good time yesterday. I we, heard. First off, shout out to my sister, Queen Buddha, okay? Sis, sisters is like the tour guide, okay? She was <laughs> she was shout. She's like, boom, over here, this is where they shot Beach Street right here. And uh-huh. over here, this is where you oh, all yeah, we had a we had a good time. We had that's when you were family, you feel safe and we yes. was good. We had a good time.
1: Good, good. So glad to hear it.
5: Yeah, uh, so but next time, you know, you got to be involved in that, you know. You yeah, know, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll uh, try
1: to – it was a little short notice. We'll try it. to We'll try to move we'll some things around we'll next time.
5: Up, man. Yep. We, we got time. We got time. Yep. Yep. So, John from Freehold, you know, he's the messiah, man. We know, you know how we feel about John, man. John knows stuff. He's the GM. And I agree with a lot of what he's saying. Mm-hmm. But I think it's like – I think also what we also have to understand is like, like you said, is Tibbs going to want to get – get, that's his guy.
1: Both of them, that, Randall and that, Robinson.
5: Yeah, it, it, exactly. <laughs> I think I just think it's going to be tough to do that. I'm not saying it's impossible because at the end of the day, we're trying to build a winner, man. So mm-hmm. your, your feelings and everything are are secondary at this point. So I don't know. I I like I, I like the direction of the team, but it, it, we we got we got to tweak some things, man. Like you said, in the half court, it's, it's there's nothing there. It's, it's random. We put it this way, Larry. We can't go another 82 games watching Randall pound the ball into oblivion. man. No. we can't do that. We can't. Nope. We can't. And, and we can't put another 82 games on Brunson's shoulder by himself and hoping that we can hit every three that we shoot. Uh-huh. Especially with these guys that can't shoot. Yeah, exactly. Fournier got to get up. Fournier got to get up out of here. Yep. Um, We got to take care of Josh Hart. It's looking like about, what, 17, 18 maybe? Between be, 16 and yeah. 18 million. Yep. Yep. Got to got to take care of him. We got the early bird right, so I'm not worried about him. Mm-hmm. Um, Mitchell Robinson is is is. I don't know, man. I don't I don't trust him like I used to. I trust him defensively, but offensively he gives you nothing. He's no. four on five on the offensive end, except unless it's in a a screener roll and throwing a lob or something. But yeah. he got he got to do better. I want to know what is what is the market for Randall. Other than what John was saying, what's the market for him? What's like true market value? What can we get for him?
1: It's a good question. Uh, it depends on who, because, okay, if you look at him in the postseason, you could say, mm-hmm. well, you know what? He had the ankle. He's not, you know, obviously the ankle was more hurt seriously than what we, we thought because he had surgery. Need a surgery. Okay, so, right, so obviously that, that affected him. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. during the year, he was, now. bear with me, Trey. He was better in air quotes. I got yes. air quotes up. He was better yep. because he dropped the he dropped the turnovers because he had Jalen Brunson. So he was able to yes. get the ball in certain positions where he was able to just turn and shoot. Okay. Were there were there stretches, usually in the fourth quarter, where it was, okay, here we go. We we're about to get the JR turnover because it's going in the spin cycle or something like that. Yes. But it was minimized. So if you're if there's always a head coach who thinks They can improve on the player if you put him in my system. There's always, I don't care who it is, there's always a head coach who thinks I can improve him. The question becomes, what can you get for him? Okay? Mm -hmm. And what you get for him, will it fit into what you want to do with this team? Because you're right, and John's right, it is a very iso-ball team. It is. And... They've got to find a way, and thanks for the call trade, to get rid of some of that ISOness that they've got on this team. They've got a lot of ISO ball stuff here because RJ does it, Brunson does it, and Randall does it. The difference with Brunson doing it is Brunson will do it, but he picks his spots. Okay, we need a basket. Okay, I got to take this. But he's willing to pass it and get people involved first. Uh, Randall, I don't expect to be that much of a passer. He was in, He improved last year. Because he's more of the he's more of the listen, go to your spot, let me give you the ball and do something with it. My issue with him is okay, can you make a move? Stop waiting for the double team. Put the ball on the deck, make your move, and let's go. Let's go. That that's my issue with him. Because, see, if, if he did that quickly, he waits for the double team. And then when the double team comes, he's turning. There's, there's four or five hands in the way, or, or the ball's being stripped, or something of that nature. He doesn't have to do that now. You have a point guard, so I, I, I'm more of a. Can we just make a decision? What are we doing? Put the ball on the deck. You have to know what you're doing when you get the basketball. Can we please make a decision? Your calls are next on 98.7 ESPN.
0: This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Mets on the board, Tommy Pham solo home run, Francisco Lindor, a fly ball single. And let's see if the Mets can get back into this game. Real quick before I get to the phones, let me just say this. And I have to pay this tease because I've been talking about it all morning. All afternoon, rather. Rich Amini has a great article on ESPN.com about the Jets. And he put it up today. And the thing that jumped out at me was Robert Salah's comment about how he believes, he quotes basketball coach Tom Izzo. I'm reading from the article. Quoting up, the best coach teams are the teams that coach themselves. And going on in the article, Salah believes the 2023 Jets can be one of those teams in large part because of Aaron Rodgers. Is it always important for you to have a guy who can further what's going on in the locker room? From what you're saying, absolutely. I saw it happen with Rex Ryan. I saw it happen with uh, Eric Mangini. I saw it happen with Herm. Every that's why every coach has a player that they like that's familiar with what they like done that can help with their culture to keep an eye on what's going on in the locker room because that's how they can keep that's how the locker room stays under control. Okay, but in this case. Robert Salah has to remember that if this team doesn't go well, he's going to lose his job. He still has to have his imprint on this team. Once again, I get what he's saying. I get that you want to have your voice in the locker room with a player like Aaron Rodgers. Yes, you do. No question about it. And he will be a help. But defensively, this team is going to rely on Salah defense, and overall, he still has to coach this team. His imprint still has to be on this team. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is not going to help with the coach that has this team prepared to play on Sunday. With preparation, he's not going to help with that. He's not going to help with uh, the mindset, cutting down on turnovers, being disciplined. He's not going to help with any of those things. That comes from the head coach and only the head coach. Yes, Rodgers and the other veterans can further the message, but the message has to be established with the head coach. That's the way it's gotta go. So yeah, Rogers will help. And then if 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 which is also in, in Sumini's article that the Jets have, I think he has over the first month of the season or the first six weeks, they've got the um they've got the toughest uh here it is. From week one to week twelve. Based on the 2022 winning percentage, the Jets have the hardest schedule in the league, a 6-16 winning percentage for their opponents, eight of whom made the playoffs. From week 13 to 18, schedule ranks 27th in difficulty based on last year. So if you get off to a slow start, <laughs> please, your next going to be on the line. So you have to start fast. And starting fast means you got to be disciplined and have your guys ready to go. All right, let's get back to the phones. 1-800-919-3776. Let's go with Alex in the Big Apple. Alex, you're next on 98.7.
6: Hey, thanks for taking my call.
1: You got it. What's up?
6: So I just want to talk about the Knicks. I got some ideas from the last call talking about it. I just feel like um, first move they have to do is get rid of Randall. But I would sign Austin Reeves. I'd I'd give him a contract where uh, the Lakers can't match it. This guy post All Star break averaged 17 points a game. That's what Brunson averaged in his, I believe, in his final year with Dallas. In the playoffs, he took his game to another level. He averaged 40 um, from three, 44% in the playoffs. He is a great shooter. Just he's a, a great all around player, and he can bring a lot to the team. And I would I would trade Barrett for DeRozan. Um, even and if you have to include a first, include a first. DeRozan is still an elite level scorer. You got to let Obi. Eighth pick, let him play thirty to thirty-five minutes a night. Let's see what he could do at power forward. And what I would do at Randall is because you need cap space. I, I would, you know, and you're not going to get a superstar back for him. I try to get a, a first-round pick in the middle of the draft and, and draft Jordan Hawkins from UConn. He's the best shooter in the draft. The Knicks need shooting. We saw that versus Miami and how they're in the finals. They have a lot of great shooters. So you add in Austin Reeves, who, I mean, I just think he's he'd be a perfect player. And yeah, you might have to give him four years, 110, 120 million but it would not be a bad contract. I mean, you know, I told you the averages like post all-star break, he was phenomenal for them. And uh, so that's what I would
1: do. I hear you, Alex. Thanks for the phone call. If I'm the Lakers, there's no way I'm letting him out of LA. I mean, look what he's been able to do. I'm going to sign him. I I need scoring. I'm not, I'm not, if I'm anything with the Lakers, I am not moving Reeves. Uh, I hear what you're saying about Randall moving him, but I, I got to get more than the first round pick for him. I got to, listen, draft picks I got. (laughs) I got to get more than that for him. I got to get a player that I can use now. Okay, now. Because I'm giving up a double-double. I understand what you're saying about the player that that you gave me in college. He's great. Uh, I don't know. This is a a double-double that I have guaranteed. This player may be better. He may get to, to the same speed. But I'm in a playoff position right now. I'm trying to advance where I was. Neil's in the Bronx. What's up, Neil?
0: Hey, Larry, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Neil. What's going on? Okay, so I want to talk about my Brooklyn Nets. Okay. Um, so I so so I heard um, Bobby Marks on uh talking about uh possible like expendable players such as uh Royce O'Neill and Dorian Finney Smith. Um, I know I've, I heard about Jonathan Kaminga from the dual Golden State Warriors being available, mm-hmm. um, po- possibly in, in a trade because he needs more minutes. He was requesting more minutes, and right now Golden State is kind of you know in in a weird spot. So if the Nets somehow were able to pick him up, I think that'd be great because I think he's a superstar in the making. Um, and also in relation to the draft coming up, I know like the, like Brooklyn definitely suffered as far as like rebounding and having Mm -hmm. a backup to Ben Simmons, because you already know Ben Simmons is unreliable. He's already putting up pictures on his IG, like a workout videos, like he's going to be an all-star again, which I I, I don't trust that at all. So, um, as far as the draft goes, I've been hearing about, um, Jalen Hood, Shafino, uh, was it Kobe Buffkin. Um, and as far as like rebounding goes, maybe like a, a Leonard Miller or G.G. G. Jackson, um, one of those. So I, I don't know if you heard much about the draft, but I was wondering what, what, what you think as far as like options, as far as like, you know, rebounding for the Nets or, you know, a backup to Ben Simmons in case, you know, he decides to say, you know, you, to, to quit or something. I don't know. Well, <laughs> let's let look for-
1: I'll, I'll say this, Neil. Uh, you got to have a backup. You can't even depend on Ben Simmons. You have to think that he's not going to be available. That's, if I'm the Nets, that's how I would operate. He's not going to be available. If he is, great. Great. But even if he plays, how much is he going to be available? So I have to act like he's not available. So I need to have some depth there. Uh, you're right. They do need some help in the front court. They do need to improve on their rebounding. Uh, that would help them out. Uh, so if they can do that in the draft, they can do that as some, with some free agent signings as well. And I don't think, Bobby says they would get, probably move one of them. I don't think they'll move both of them. So um, I would think that, to me, Dorian Finney-Smith is not the rebounder. Um, so if I could move him, I might I might consider moving him uh, to see if I can get better with, with in the front court. But, um, you know, I, I really like where the Nets are. They just have to be shrewd with what they're going to do. And listen, I, I respect... Spencer Dinwiddie, I'm not sure. I think I need another guard to move him to the two. I think I need a point guard. I'm I'm just not – I just don't – I don't have a lot of faith in him moving the basketball, getting other people involved. I'd rather him at the two spot where he can just shoot, and I've got somebody else that's charged with not only looking for their own shot, but getting other people involved as well. So that's that's where I would really go if I'm Brooklyn. That wraps up this edition of the Larry Hardesty Show. We thank you for joining us on this Sunday afternoon. Special thanks to my special guest, Bobby Marks, NBA NBA front office insider for ESPN. Also, Harvey and Joe, thank you very much. We'll see you tomorrow night. Gordon Damer and I will have ESPN New York tonight at 10. Right now, we continue the conversation on 98.7 ESPN.